Welcome to episode 130 of the Half Point Per Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host, Dalton Willie, and our producer, Johnny Pham. It is so nice of Dalton to take the time uh, away from brewing teas in, in, his, in his newest video game, his newest RPG that he's playing, to be on this podcast with us, Johnny. Well... We're both out of the fantasy playoff seven, so you better get to burn some tea too. <laughs> Damn. Uncalled for. <laughs> I lost last week too. It's fine. Early shot. Not even 80 seconds into this pod. Just taking shots already. I mean, Johnny, have I mentioned one time that Dalton is one in 13 in our Dynasty League? I, I haven't. I haven't mentioned that one. We tore it down. His History is important. Record. Bill Belichick's got to go down as one of the greatest coaches in history. Has he had a rough couple of years? Absolutely. We all have him. He has not won one game in a year, though. Uh, that's just not right. No, that he's saying he's never only won one game. Oh, uh, the season's not over. <laughs> Job's not done. Uh, all right. Um, before we get into it, which we do have a fun show today, we're going to do a little start, sit, stream, uh, as teased in the thumbnail, look ahead to this week a little bit. We're also going to talk, uh, some dynasty values, do a little head to head, um, for, for a handful of guys. I think that'll be a fun conversation, but you know, we don't really have a, a Christmas theme to this episode. It kind of occurred to me this morning that this is actually our last podcast before Christmas. Um, so I'm not going to try and wrangle in any kind of Christmas segment here, but just what, what I'm curious where you guys are with the Christmas dinner. Cause that that's like a, a topic right now being voted on in my family is what we're going to have for Christmas dinner. Do you guys have like a, a set tradition or do you guys change it up every year? Like what, what's on the menu this year? I uh, usually celebrate Christmas with a lot of Mexicans so it's New Year's. It's Christmas Eve. That is Christmas Day. There's always tamale yeah. making at night, which is like a five hour long process. Are you are you going the to Salina? Yes, I am. Don't dox me. I'm not doxing you. I didn't say, I didn't say who you were going with or where you were going. <laughs> yes, that's where I'll be though. Johnny? You would not be doxing Don as much as I want to. <laughs> I know he'll be able to dox me back. Uh, yeah, we don't really have a tradition or like food stuff. I know like uh-huh. Kaylee wants to get like sushi on like Christmas Eve, but not really anything Christmas Day planned. Probably mm-hmm. like similar Thanksgiving food is the idea, or I feel like general consensus. We we've done that a lot. Similar Thanksgiving food, like instead of turkey, we'll do ham, and that was one of the things up for vote. This year, Ham currently only has one vote uh, so far. That is from my wife. Uh, the other, which is steak, is leading the way right now. I think that's going to win. So I'm excited for that potential. We've done crab legs a lot in recent years too. Crab legs, uh, a good good Christmas dinner. We're actually going to do the Christmas Eve thing too because the Chiefs play at noon on Christmas Day. So that makes cooking a yeah. Uh, the, the NFL started a war on Christmas this year. It's a little upsetting. It's already t- like tough for me because there's the NBA, but just to, to put the Chiefs specifically at noon makes it makes it difficult. And New Year's Day too. Like, yeah, you're gonna be watching that that slate hilariously hungover. <laughs> Uh, and on that note, let's jump into some start, sit, stream uh, for the semifinals of the playoffs. I have a couple topics that, that we can touch on if we don't 
um, at any point in this segment, Dalton. But first, let's just start with our starts of the week this week. Who is the guy that you are looking to get in your lineup for the Week 16 matchups? Well, I'm stealing from the chat a little bit here um, because it is none other than James Bartholomew <laughs> Cook, uh, who's been on an absolute tear. There's no since... chance that's his middle name. It definitely is not, but it, it's Christmassy. Yeah. Uh, but since Joe Brady has taken over the play calling in this offense, he's been electric. He's been the fantasy RB3 since uh, the firing and the hiring of Joe Brady. Uh, he is a league high, and this is why it's pretty important this week, 671 rushing yards on gap rush designs, according to fantasy data. And the team they play this week, the Los Angeles Chargers, are the third worst in running back uh, success rate against man gap runs and have allowed a league high 11 rushing touchdowns against those looks. So I expect another run heavy output from the Bills. This Chargers defense is lackluster at best. Uh, and I think James Cook is going to absolutely eat. Also, since week 10, this Chargers defense has allowed 17 points per game to running backs they have faced. And the list that they have faced is not exactly the best running backs in the league. So I. I'm a firm believer that James Cook's going to do what he did last week and yet again uh, tear it up for his fantasy managers and come back. Uh, just saying, since he received the stop pooping award from me about five, <laughs> so he has stopped pooping. What did, did you say? I, I missed the first half of that because I, I was Googling James Cook's middle name. Uh, did you did you give the specific splits like post uh, Ken Dorsey firing? No, I don't have those exactly. I, I don't either, but I, I know just – Bottom line is he is a lot more involved as a runner and as specifically as a pass catcher and just running more routes, getting more targets. Like he, he has been an elite fantasy option since we've yes. had that change. So two funny things happened when I, when I Googled James Cook's middle name, number one, um, I discovered there is a captain James Cook who was a British explorer that came up quite high on the Google search, which was uh shocking 1728 to 1779 pretty long life for for the 1700s uh and then james cook his middle name is dalvin and then dalvin's middle name is james apparently that's just lazy that's just lazy <laughs> parenting. Uh, don't i have uh, two questions to you i've been meaning to bring this up for uh for hours now who was your start of the week last week it was evan who's your start of the week no i, I want to hear i want to hear this I, I, I was just wanting to confirm who you started the week was last oh, week. There, there, there's no need for us to go into that at this Wait, point. Wait, wasn't Derrick Henry? I know Derrick Henry was mentioned. It was Derrick Henry, so take that with the grain of salt, everybody. No, my start of the week last week was Zach Moss, but... Oh, that's true. Well, that worked Fire. out poorly because he got hurt. But he did, yeah. he did say Derrick Henry was a smash, which, you know, I've got this queued up and ready. Dalton just needs to, like... He needs to stop talking about Derrick Henry. Just it's it's literally the opposite of what I say. Yes, every time. When Derrick Henry's outside of the top twenty, I want you each to rue this day. Yeah, we'll clip this. We'll clip this whole thing. We'll make it to a whole a whole video. It'll be great. And rue this day. He was outside of the top twenty last week. Yeah, but that was like season long. <laughs> that wasn't for a week. I'm about to look up what he is season long. After this, my star of the week this week. You know, uh, Jimbo Slice is gonna love. Uh, this segment because I'm also going with another guy on his dynasty team in our league. That is Devonta Smith. Uh, he's fantasy pros wide receiver 17 uh, this week. And I honestly would have him pushing wide receiver one territory. It may be tempting to, to give him a rest 
because he's had back-to-back 7.8-point games exactly. But he's been double digits in five of his last seven. Do the math. That means he was five in a row before the last two. Had a couple of 20-point games. I just – the Giants are 29th in the NFL against receivers, giving up 38.3 points per game to the position, and they're actually very good against tight ends. We've talked a lot about the Dallas Goddard-Devontae Smith deal. Just with the way this is lining up on paper, it would seem like Dallas Goddard more likely to be held in check. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith probably both going to have pretty nice games today. And I know it feels like the sky is falling in Philly. Things are definitely not going well. Um, the last couple of weeks, but it really feels like this is the ultimate bounce back. Philly wins this game by a million points. AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, uh, DeAndre Swift, maybe even Dallas Goddard. Like all those, like all those guys I feel like could eat and have huge games this week. So do not give Devontae Smith a week off in your lineup because he's disappointed the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, if there's ever been a get-right game, it is a 1,000%. The New York Giants, Derrick Henry is the RB8 right now, and he doesn't even have a 1,000 <laughs> rushing yards. Uh, if you want to know how that position is going this maybe, year. Maybe next year. Maybe next year will be outside that top 20. I'm going to keep that clip locked and loaded. So I we will play it for you when he's outside the top 20 in the season. I, we will play it. You'll have to. I don't even him. think he's a Titan next year. So. <laughs> which, which might be helpful. Although I did have the thought the other day, you know, everybody wants to send him to Baltimore. It's like everyone that is in that Baltimore backfield just dies. So maybe they we do. just maybe we just not. Maybe we yeah, just no, not do uh, that. Uh, I don't know what goes on in the water, Baltimore, but it kills running backs. <laughs> but so Devontae Smith, you're feeling pretty good about it. Yes, I'm feeling feeling great about it. I mean, it is kind of concerning that Christian McCaffrey pops in on the Manning cast and it's just like, yeah, they're running a yeah uh, QB sneak here. It's Jalen Hurts with the middle, and the tight end's going to slide in, and they do exactly that. And it's like, well. Maybe we need to get a little more creative in Philly, but I, I don't think creative or not that the New York Giants defense is going to have an answer for those receiving options. And it's probably going to be a smash week for that entire offense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Sit of the week. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you here. Okay. I, I, have, I, I appreciate that very much. I have nothing to support this, but it's Bijan Robinson. Um, that's it. That's it's Bijan. You know, I'm just so not doing it. It that was one of my my quick topics. If we didn't get to it, was and I actually forgot to write it down. So I'm glad you said it. Is are you going back to Bijan this week after he scores? I have to double check this. Negative point one points last week. It's not even that. It's just it's a little just, bit that. <laughs> well, it, 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 actually, it is that. It's Arthur <laughs> Smith. Like he is. He's worse than like a teenage boy at deciding what he wants. It's different every week. He he comes out and he's like, we're going to get it right or we're going to die trying. It's like, Arthur, you have three first-round picks on your offense that you just didn't use in the fourth quarter. Shout out to the Panthers. I I begged last week. I said, Panthers, please. And they beat him. And guess what? They're still saying he might not lose his job. So that just means we need it to happen again. It, it's just absolutely terrible. After that fumble, which it wasn't a good fumble, but he, he got hit in the side and a helmet hit the ball. Like those happen in games. You shouldn't have been in a six to nine game against the Panthers in the first place if you are a playoff contending team. And after that, uh, Bijan Robinson had no touches. There were five carries in total given in the fourth quarter. They were given to Corderell Patterson and Tyler Algier. Tyler Algier is averaging a whopping three yards per carry 
in yeah, the NFL like, right now. And it was like 14 carries for 45 yards. So yeah. it wasn't like he was being particularly effective in, in that game. And now Bijan was seven for 11. So it's not like he was being uh, effective either. But you, you just like, what are we doing here? This is you're in must win game. It, I saw someone tweet this. I don't remember who. But it's like he just wanted to prove how smart he is. I'm going to beat the Panthers without using any of my good players after what I did last week, and I used my good players. Watch this. And, boy, did he show us. Uh, hopefully he's on his way to firing. But if you survive that in your fantasy playoffs, I just I can't rationally advise anybody to start him. And if you have even, like, a borderline top 24 running back, it's probably worth your consideration to start him or oh, over Bijan Robinson. So let, let's play a name game then, because I'm looking at uh, Fantasy Pro's consensus ranks right now, and Bijan is up at RB8. He does get the Colts, which is a matchup that that you mentioned that that you liked, or just in the Steelers game with Zach Moss, you liked the Col- because the Colts are on a lot of plays. Yep. So that theoretically should help Bijan. Let's just look down the line here. You know, Bijan or Derrick Henry, another guy who had a historically bad game last week. Derrick Henry. They didn't go away from Derrick, so we're going Derrick. Derrick Henry is the RB11. He gets Seattle, which is also a a nice match. I'm going Derrick Henry as well. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco is first week back after a couple weeks away, or Bijan. Pacheco. Pacheco to Travis Etienne. Or with, which it feels like he has to score a touchdown at this point to, to have a good day or Bijan. Etienne. I think so too, but we're getting closer for me. Uh, I'll skip a few more down. Here you go. Ezekiel Elliott against Denver or Bijan. Zeke. <laughs> I'll go Bijan there. I'm, I, I want to see how far I down I have to go for you. David Montgomery or Bijan. David Montgomery. Chuba Hubbard or Bijan? Uh, since Frank Reich has been fired, Chuba Hubbard is averaging 24.7 opportunities per game. So, Chuba. Uh, yes. Austin Eckler against the Bills or Bijan? Go with Austin Eckler here. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't even a bit. I really, I would start all of these players over. No, no, it, it, it's it's good to know. So, like, we, I, I, I literally am going to see how far down this list I can get. Uh, Devin Singletary. Or Bijan. And Devin Singletary plays Cleveland this week. You know, Devin Singletary is the only running back in the NFL with multiple 30 plus opportunity games. Yeah, I believe it. Devin Singletary. Najee Harris or Bijan against the Bengals? Uh, 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 I'd go Bijan. So Dalton says he'd go clear down to the RB29 before he gets to Bijan Robinson this week. Yeah. And. Like Tajay Spears is RB thirty three, and I would consider it. Yeah, I, I, I have a little more. I think just in general, I side a little bit more with start your studs, and you side a little bit more with with matchups. Is he a stud? I mean, he's the RB twelve on the season, so yeah. RB scoring over the season is fake. Change my mind. <laughs> it's a marathon on if you're healthy all season. So, like, I'm starting him. I'm feeling horrific about doing it, but. But I'm starting him this week. But also, like, I don't think it's impossible. Like, I would start Chuba over him, too. So even, even though I said I would start, who did I say? Uh, I don't remember who. Well, I, w- I would start him over David Montgomery. I it think. Was Zeke. Oh, it was, it was Zeke. Zeke. Like, I would start him over Zeke, but I would start Chuba over both those guys. But So he, he'd be, like, closer to 20 than 10 for me, and he's the RB8. So we're, we're both lower on him. 
think consensus this week. You're just saying get away from him if you can. I'm saying you probably can't get away from him. And like maybe you hit good on waivers with a Chuba, or maybe, and we'll talk about this maybe in a minute, if Zach Moss plays and no Jonathan Taylor, or if Jonathan Taylor plays and no Zach Moss, which right now, just scrolling these ranks, uh, Jonathan Taylor is the RB27. Zach Moss is 57. So the ranks right now are presuming Taylor will play. Um, but yeah, so my sit this week, you know, this is one that I don't, I tried to go bold. I I don't even want to say this is a sit at all costs, but I'm looking to pivot if I can. And that is Cortland Sutton. Like, I just don't want to play a receiver in that Patriots Broncos game unless I have to like this kind of checks all the boxes for things that make you nervous. It's the lowest over under of the week at like 34. We've talked Are about you gonna that. Are you going to say what I want you to say? I, I don't know. What What do you want me to say? Oh, it's a weather game. It is a weather game. I was actually, <laughs> I was actually going to mention that. I should have known. That's what you want me to say. There's a weather game. Uh, we know how the Patriots roll and that even though they're not good against receivers on the year, they will sell out to take away your top option. We just saw it with Kelsey. Now, could Kelsey have caught a touchdown pass this week and made his day? Yes, he could have. But also, it, it wasn't like the Chiefs were able to pepper him with targets like they usually are. So we are going to see them, I think, identify Cortland Sutton as the guy they're going to take away in the passing game. Will they be able to do it? Obviously not guarantee. If Sutton scores a touchdown, which he very well could because he's had a lot of ridiculous catches, He's going to make his day, but I think it's touchdown or bust for Sutton, who I, I've seen like a top as a top 15 to 18 receiver. And I just feel worse about him than that this week in a bad weather game with a low over under against the Patriots, knowing their tendencies as a defense. Yeah, I, I feel that the thing with Cortland Sutton is he he's just doing it. Every week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he scored nine point one points or more in all but one game this year, so he he's been very consistent. I wouldn't start anybody else on either team that catches the ball mm. as a wide receiver. Um, he's I, the only one you're thinking about for sure. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. I think the only startable players in that matchup are probably Sutton, Williams, and Zeke, and Zeke, and then maybe hey, Hunter Henry. If yeah, if he, it, it, if he plays, I, I don't yeah. know his status after getting hurt last week. Yeah, but I agree with that. And it's supposed to start snowing Saturday night and row Rome into the Sunday game for the Denver Broncos. So I knew you'd probably have to be like a like breakdown for me. I, yeah, I, I I knew this way ahead of time. Uh, so it's probably going to be like a an actual snow game, and we know that always impacts passing negatively. But it impacts passing even more negatively when you have game manager Russ against Bailey Zappi. I, I don't I don't have a game name for him, but he's not good. <laughs> Zap attack uh, is that is that Zap attack. There will not be snow. No snow. Wow. So Dalton just was making that part up. There will be snow. <laughs> I promise. I I'm fairly confident that there will not be a inch of snow on the field. Well, well, uh, that may be true. It, it may be off the field. That gives us all a reason to tune into this game to see what the field looks like. Other than that, I was not flipping this game on. No, I'll see a clip if there is snow. That's. <laughs> That's the only reason that I will turn that game on. And just to prove Don wrong. Uh, you should check in with your local Nine News meteorologist, Johnny <laughs> Chris Bianchi. Broncos game on Sunday will be snowy, mm-hmm. but I'd lean towards a lighter snow event. But it could be heavier if the storm slows. Uh, anyways, well, thank you. You can apologize later. 
that that sounds like a a Vernon report if I've ever heard it. Herb one. All right, uh, Dalton, your stream quarterback of the week this week. We're going back to the well, buddy. Jake Browning. <laughs> he did it last week. He'll do it. Boy, again it, it was looking like it was going to be heartbreak for three fourths of that game. I watched the fir- not what, but I was home and aware of what was going on for the first three quarters got in my car drove to kansas city by the time i got to my destination the Bengals were tied and we we're back to go to overtime i was like what if the world happened but he did do it he did it again last week he did it and uh did part of it come down to t higgins having an absolutely insane touchdown yeah yeah but that's what you get when you have weapons like that also just a terrible week for me last week with start sit my sit last week was gus who had 13 points because keaton gets hurt yeah. and then you have Zach Moss looking like he's going to have a good day. Yeah, but he had 10 points down. early in the second quarter. Yeah, so. He gets hurt. Jake Browning plays four quarters of football that aren't the greatest and salvages his day at the end of it uh, and also has one of the worst pass attempts I've ever seen in the NFL. So, If, if we're going to revisit start-sit last week, uh, James Conner, tough call. He scored a touchdown, which is just kind of, you know, he's going to live or die off touchdowns in tough matchups like that. So that just went – the wrong way, but if you start Devontae Adams, you're happy. If you start Chris Goblin, that was easily his best game of the season. So I, I I'm quite happy with the somewhat lucky but somewhat just betting uh on regression uh call on Chris Goblin last the week. thing but, is the Devontae Adams train was wild. They were they had like 42 <laughs> points before he scored a touchdown that took Jacoby Myers throwing touchdown pass to him. Yes, I, I was I was melting down during the game. We both were because we both had up on different teams. Yeah. Like, we it's like surprise. It's it's like come on, like we're getting all these wide open touchdowns. We got this dude who did like actually did not catch the touchdown in the back of the end zone that they called touchdown. Could have been Devontae touchdown on that play. So yeah, that that was a thing, but still worked out. All right. Uh Jake Browning. Mine, I'm going not back to the well for me, but I am chasing the hell out of these points for Baker Mayfield this week after a perfect quarterback rating in Lambeau last week i know the packers defense has made some people look very good this year but still impressive still still impressive and i didn't watch that whole game obviously but i i have seen plenty of clips and i mean baker's looking good he's playing well the ball placement is good he obviously just got on the same page as best as he has all season with chris goblin he and mike evans have had a good connection all season and they get the Jags, who are giving up 20 points per game. The quarterbacks, third most in the NFL. So you like the matchup. You like the weapons. The player is playing well. And Baker is the quarterback 15 on the season, 16 or more points in six of his last nine games. Like, just coming off of a 29-point game, he's playing well. He's been solid all year. I, I think he is pretty soundly, in my mind, a top 12 quarterback this week. And is kind of ranked in between that 12 to 15 spot and ranks I see right now. Yeah, I mean, he's had a great start. Like you said, the Jags defense has been pretty terrible, and he has some of the best supporting cast you can ask for for a quarterback who needs the help to get it done. They're also playing for a playoff spot, which always matters in games like this, mm-hmm. and it could be a pretty positive script for them. Uh, I haven't seen the latest news on Trevor Lawrence, but it looked like he was still in concussion protocol, if I believe, so we yeah, don't even know. It, it seemed like tomorrow we were going to – if he hit a certain benchmark tomorrow, he either – would be likely or unlikely to play. So at the time you hear this podcast, you, we may know more about that. 
Yes. Um, speaking of, I didn't know if you saw this, going back to Bijan, Tyler Heineke started the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know if we bet it, but Desmond Ritter's passing prop was 2,600 yards. And he's at 25-18. Oh I don't so, think we did. Well, so minus an injury, uh, he will not hit his passing prop. I mean, he found his way back last time, so. He, he did somehow, some way. Uh, okay. Defensive stream of the week. This one was a pretty hard one for me. Uh, it's not a good week for defenses, uh, but I'm just going back to the well with last week's because they have to do better against New England, and I'm taking the Denver Broncos again. Uh, it was my advice that you'd want them throughout the playoffs. So they were my my week Gibby defensive start of the week. My other one. I was one, say, you literally have to say Denver this week because you said last week, but not to start of last week, yes. but to have them for this week. Uh, if you're desperate, I know Washington's the worst defense in the league, but they get the worst offense in the I league. I looked at that one, and I was like, you know. It's, it's just an interesting conversation point. I don't know what I would it, do. It, it's tempting, but. But so is Green Bay. You, like you have Green to, Bay. Well, like you said, with the worst defense versus worst offense, sometimes the worst offense can get the better of the worst defense. Too. <laughs> yes, it absolutely can. Um, so just a little idea there, um, but I'm sticking with Denver. Washington could be interesting. Uh, I've seen a lot of people touting the Miami Dolphins on Twitter because they've played so well recently. They get Dallas, and people still think yeah. they're a startable team. That, that over-under is 51, by yeah, far the highest of the week. Fool's gold, do not take them. Uh, stay away from Miami. But who do you have? I have I have a fun one. Before I even say who it is, I just want to read off uh, some of their key numbers in the last five weeks. So five weeks ago, zero interceptions, three sacks, 13 points allowed. Four weeks ago, three interceptions, two sacks, 31 points allowed. Three weeks ago, four interceptions, two sacks, 10 points allowed. And then last week, or yeah, yeah, last week, three interceptions. No, sorry, I, I skipped one. Two weeks ago, two interceptions, four sacks, 13 points allowed. And then last week, three interceptions, one touchdown, four sacks, and 20 points allowed. Would it surprise you to know that is the Chicago Bears? That would surprise me to know. The they they have been playing very good defense and very opportunistic defense. And we talked about not loving what Kyler Murray has been putting forward so far this year. And that's the matchup this week, the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. So I, I kind of like the Bears in that spot this week. Jalen Johnson is the highest rated corner on PFF right now, too, the cornerback for the Bears. I don't hate it. Um, like like we said last week, Kyler Murray's still clearly not 100%. And they have a really lackluster receiving core outside of Marquise Brown. Uh, Michael Wilson was exciting while he was a thing. And then I know last week even James Conner got like 39% of the snaps. So they're, they're really trying to work in more guys for opportunities to figure out how to get that offense rolling. Mm-hmm. I definitely don't hate that. They, and uh, mathematically, they're not eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> Neither are thirty other teams in the NFL, but they could still they could still do it. The the Bears are very much in the in the hunt part of the graphic, and they will stay there. <laughs> they will stay in the hunt. <laughs> they will stay there until they're not. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, to have games of three, four, two, and three interceptions in the last four games, like I just think you kind of have to ride that if if you're desperate and and looking. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a good start. Um, I in 
they should be available in most leagues because of the general consensus around the Bears. But yeah, I think that's a good one. All right. That is all on uh, the fantasy playoffs and the redraft portion of this show. We're going to jump ahead to some dynasty talk, do a little bit of of head-to-heads. Basically, how this is going to go, we're just going to give two players. And this is not going to be formatted like our debates where one of us has one side, one of us has the other side. We both may agree on on some of these. I'm sure we will agree on on some of these. But we're just going to do a little dynasty head-to-head. The first one... Probably the biggest dynasty topic right now is Bijan Robinson versus Jameer Gibbs, the two rookies. And it's Jameer Gibbs who has had the better season this year from a points per game basis. Now he's only, I think he's like RB 16 to Bijan's RB 11 or 12. That's because he missed two games. Bijan has played every game. We all remember the, the migraine slash headache debacle and then 0.1 points last week so that that has dropped his negative average. negative yeah negative 0.1 that dropped his average by a full point this year and i'm sure in the headache game he scored 0.3 points so he's probably two points lower on his average just just based off of those two games but who are you taking going forward we, we kind of talked about this a little bit the other day just you and i uh texting and it's like I still like Bijan, the player and the prospect more, but you can't deny the situations that both guys are in right now. And you just can't deny that Gibbs has probably in my mind exceeded my expectations for this year. Cause you know, it's funny. No one's complaining about his touches right now. He, he just had 13 touches the other day. It's just that he turned it into over a hundred scrimmage yards. I think he had at least one touchdown. Maybe it was two touchdowns. So, like, he's not really getting any heavier of a workload than he was earlier in the season for the most. A couple more touches here and there. But it was 11 carries, two receptions, and it's just he is very explosive. And it is nice when you can be the change of pace guy in the backfield like he is. He's kind of living a good life right now. Um, Going forward, though, which of these two guys do you prefer? It's close because I I still think there's no denying the skill that Bijan possesses. Um, but I, I ended up going with Jameer Gibbs. Wow! In, in part, it's it's how I would approach trading for a running back in any dynasty league. Um, is that I would probably be trading them on a team that I'm trying to win games in, and there's a lot more question marks about where Atlanta goes. I think Ben Johnson for the short lines likely gets a head coaching job. I still don't you, think you know what's a fun thought. What if he's the Falcons head coach next year? That, then we then this debate looks really, really Lord. Cool. Can you please do for Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson what you've done for Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta? Um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it, it's insane what Jameer Gibbs has done. He's only 21 years old. He has a 15% target share. He has six yards per touch. He's averaging 17 points per game. He is RB9, and he's actually missed two full games this yeah. year, which is, I mean, Bijan kind of has, but it's more coaching. He's going to have over 65 receptions, have over 1,100 rushing yards on his current pace, and he's third in the NFL in breakaway run rate and leads the NFL in 20-yard runs. If he has he has 39 evaded tackles this year too, and he's he's fifth, or I think he I, I have him as second in breakaway run rate. So either way, he he's quite good at, yeah. at breaking big plays. Um, and if big if there's a David Montgomery season-ending injury next year, I mean it could be to the moon. 
the addition of that offensive line is also what tilted it. The Detroit offensive line is significantly better. I feel more comfortable about the quarterback play in Detroit. And there are two impending free agents on Atlanta on their offensive line this offseason. They could resign them. But it's just there are more question marks going into the offseason about Atlanta than there are with Detroit. It it will not surprise me if coming into redraft next year, I have these guys like four and five. Like there's it's not a giant margin, yeah. but I like Jameer Gibbs. I also like the fact that we know he can do less or more with less, and we really haven't seen Bijan do that so far this season. And and part of it is definitely like only in coaching, but you at least want to see like what Brees Hall has done. Brees Hall has had some big plays despite the fact that his team is absolutely yeah. the bottom of the league in offense, and we have not seen that from Bijan for the most part. Yeah, yeah, he he's had a good season. Like I said, he's you know he's an RB one, and that's even with negative 0.1 points and also the headache game where he, he he has two games where he's combined the score 0.2 points yeah. so for all intents and purposes he's missed two games just like jameer gibbs has but yeah the the obviously the key difference here i, I have Bijan. uh full disclosure but i think some of these that we're going to talk about i think there's a clear right and wrong answer this is one where i do think you can go either way and it's defensible now I still have Bijan. I think he is the better player. Um, the, the situation is definitely worse. That's the key difference. Quarterback, coaching, all of that. Situation is not forever. We don't know how long Atlanta is getting. Like, Atlanta could very easily trade for Justin Fields and have a new head coach next year. And maybe we, maybe you feel different. And maybe I feel even better about Bijan than we do right now. I, I mean, Tyler Algier is there. He's cheap. He's still going to be there. But Bijan is good enough compared to Algier, where even though Algier is good, it, it, it could still be an 80-20, 70-30, you know, 75-25 type of split between those two. Um, looking at Bijan, like, he just profiles as a guy. I still don't think you want Gibbs having that many more touches than he's getting right now. And he's very efficient. Maybe he continues to just be kind of one of those guys like a Camara, like he's been so far, where he kind of bends those rules where he can have 15 touches and be the RB6 in a season. But Bijan is first in routes run, third in target share, and second in route percentage amongst running backs. And we know what he can do running the ball. So, like, he just profiles as that guy who can be the true workhorse, three down guy who has the 1600 yards rushing, 500 yards receiving, and mega touchdown type of year if if things fall right whereas I, I just don't think Gibbs quite has that in him and you know one advantage Gibbs has had outside of just the situation being better he's seeing a lot more carries against light and base fronts than Bijan is this season Bijan is seeing a lot more heavy and and base so the, the situation just obviously has been tilted for Gibbs I just still believe in in Bijan a little bit more than Jameer Gibbs who like these are both top five dynasty running backs to be clear yeah, um, definitely top five. Uh, the other concern I have, and I'm not going to overweight this and act like it it's something that really weighs in my decision-making, but I don't want to spend a long time saying, well, he was good in college, so he has to hit eventually mm -hmm. um, and overweight. The but, 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 but he's rushed for over 1,000 yards this year. Yeah, so so it's not like he hasn't been good this year. Just not so what Trent Richardson did this rookie year. But, <laughs> like, not drawing those comparisons. But I just don't want to overrate the college to what we've seen in the NFL. Yeah. And we know for sure that the contact balance for Jameer Gibbs, which was probably his best thing, yeah. um, has really translated over. 
Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you know, Heath Cummings for CBS put up a poll today. No, who's who would you who's the number one running back in Dynasty? And it was Bijan Gibbs or other. Other had like five percent of the vote, and it was basically forty-eight to forty-seven in favor of Bijan. So it, it's close right now. Uh, just out of curiosity, if we threw Brees Hall in this conversation, what would you what would your ranking of those three guys be? We don't have to go in depth on Brees, obviously, but I'd probably go Gibbs, Brees, Robinson, but be super close um, I think, on all three. I, I think I'd go Brees Hall one. Bijan two and Gibbs three. I would like to see the Jets rework that entire offensive line in the offseason, yeah. which I'm sure they will, considering what they're looking at. Um, and it being a deep tackle class, they can get some guys in the second round mm-hmm. if they have their pick. I don't even know if they do. Oh, they don't. They'll have their first. They won't have their second. Because I was going to say, the, yeah, they'll have their first because Rodgers barely played and they yeah. won't have their second. Yeah. Uh, we'll answer this real quick before I forget as we keep going in the dynasty talk here. Half PPR, start Isaiah Likely or Jake Ferguson. I'm going Ferguson. Uh, easier matchup, high point total. He's been quite involved. Whereas like with Baltimore, it feels like you could get you get a likely game or you could get a heavy Odell, Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers. Like I, I just feel safer about Ferguson's involvement in the offense and the upside is pretty similar. This is funny because uh, I was actually looking at Ian Harditz on Fantasy Life. I'm going to read it off now. Since the Mark Andrews injury, Isaiah likely leads the team in targets, catchable targets, play action targets, and has the highest PPR rank of any pass catchers in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I think I would lean Isaiah likely in this one. It's close. I I think either way, both good options. Yeah. Okay. Now we've got we got two more coming in. Oh, that's the thanks guys. Uh, in full PPR, pick one running back, one receiver, one flex. Oh my gosh, this is a lot of people. Uh, Brees Hall, Zeke, Ty Chandler, Jonathan Taylor, I assume, Amari Cooper, Drake London, Chris Goblin. So I am just gonna go ahead and slot Brees Hall and Chris Goblin in. Do you agree? Yeah. If Alexander Madison doesn't play, are you considering Ty Chandler or is this a Zeke versus Jonathan Taylor if if he plays versus Amari Cooper? It'd be, I, I don't think you can start Drake London unless you really need upside. Yeah, I would probably Taylor if he plays, um, especially Zach Moss being injured. I think he gets close if, to that 75, 85% work share. If Taylor plays and no Zach Moss, I'm going Taylor. It, 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 if, let's, if Madison plays, and Zach Moss plays, and Jonathan Taylor plays, I'm going Zeke. Like, there, there's yeah. just a lot of moving parts in this. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a but lot of... I think Brees and Goblin, you can lock in now. Yeah, for sure. All right, next debate here. Whew, this one's going to be a doozy, I feel like. Not because we're going to disagree, I don't think, but uh, this would be an interesting topic. Josh Jacobs versus Tony Pollard. Two running backs, excuse me, two running backs who are about to be free agents could both be tagged again, but... Maybe they're going to be on different teams, and that's always tricky when forecasting running backs. And also, that rarely goes great for running backs at this stage, changing teams. So I don't feel fantastic about either guy, but if you had to pick one, Dalton, who would it be? I, I think we're both going to agree on this one, but I'm taking Josh Jacobs. Um, Me too, one. and and uh, I believe uh, – I, I had it pulled up, and I – but – Oh yeah, on on keep trade cut, Josh Jacobs is the RB fifteen, Tony Pollard the RB eleven, and I just could not disagree with that more. Yeah, fantasy trade calculators suck for Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
Josh Jacobs is a full year younger than Tony Pollard, and yeah. Tony Pollard will be entering his age twenty-seven season. We're already you're you're pushing it at this point with running back production. We saw two twenty-eight and a half year old running backs in Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler completely fall off the age cliff this season, uh, and. I would not be surprised to see Tony Pollard get the Kareem Hunt treatment this offseason where he's not even on the team come training camp uh, with the production he's put on the field. He hasn't been efficient. The Cowboys have elected to use Rico Dowdo more and more every week. Uh, in games where their offense is putting up 42 points, Tony Pollard is a non-factor. He does not have the explosiveness he's had. He's clearly not built for 20-plus touches. He, he's, been, he's, he's, he's been better down the stretch, Pollard has, basically ever since we completely demolished him on this podcast. He, he's put up better numbers, but still, it just doesn't feel like he's still, he's a top 12 running back, but it's kind of like Bijan where it's like, especially with Pollard, he hasn't missed any games. It feels like for Pollard, it's more of an accumulation top 12 then a he's made a big difference on your team type yeah. of top 12 season and what you were about ready to say is exactly what my main point was going to be is yeah i know you can make the workload argument the other way where it's like i'm half concerned about jacobs he's had a million touches tony pollard should be quote unquote fresher even though he's older but also just like i agree with you jacobs has proven he can handle those touches and he can produce. He's been basically a top 15 to 20 running back his whole career had obviously the year last year where he was a lot better than that. Um, and I think the main thing is this year, uh, Jacobs hasn't been what we hoped because of the Raiders. Tony Pollard hasn't been what we hoped because of Tony Pollard. Yep. Uh, yeah. That, I, I mean, that's the best way to boil down the entire argument. You could hope for a revival and that, that you can write this year off because of his ankle surgery for Tony Pollard. Uh, but I'm I'm just not making a bet. At this point, we should have seen something. Like other guys, Bruce Hall, Javante Williams, both had – even J.K. Dobbs before he got injured again, all had terrible injuries and came mm -hmm. back and looked pretty good after the fact within a year of their injury. And it's just not been the case for Tony Pollard. I don't think – I would have to look, but he has not had major explosive runs this year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's outside the top 24 running backs in that category. Yeah, no, he he definitely has not. Um, yeah, it, it it has been just a – I don't even want to say volume because he's been getting less volume than you would probably think because they've been throwing the ball a ton this year. But still just as far as running back goes, he's getting decent volume and he's played all the games. And I really feel like, you know, he's the RB11 on keep trade cut. I feel like a year from now we could be looking up and he's like the RB36 in Dynasty. I, I, yeah. I think I, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I feel like that's on the table. Whereas like Josh Jacobs, I feel pretty secure as long as he's healthy um, that he's going to be a top 15 to 20 guy next year. He is not even quite 25. He, he's still quite young. Yeah. Well, and the, the last thing I'll say on this is, and I, I feel pretty strongly about this in dynasty. It's better to be a year early than a year late when it comes to trading running backs. And I'm definitely, if, if, Pollard has a year. It's one more year. Mm -hmm. I could see Jacobs with two, two more productive seasons before he hits the fall off. Yeah, and he's just the type of guy who's going to age better than Pollard anyway because he he's not great because of how explosive he is. He is explosive, but he's a big guy, like breaks tackles, makes guys. You know, like Pollard is. You know, was a guy shot out of a cannon. He's just not quite that anymore. Uh, yeah. Steven in the chat, do you mean? Dynasty, or do you mean start sit? I'm assuming start sit, but I just want you to clarify before 
we answer that. In the meantime, Amon Ross St. Brown versus Garrett Wilson. Uh, another interesting one here that I'm curious if we're going to have our first disagreement. I'm going Amon Ross St. Brown, but I, I think it's very, very close. Like these guys are both top eight dynasty receivers uh starts at week 16 so austin eckler i, I think we're we're pretty on record er, well, earlier just going through the running backs that we probably don't want to start eckler he he's probably more close to the Bijan range for us this week which is closer to 30 than like 15 keen allen if he plays i just don't see how you get away from him because of how good he's been this year yeah and that buffalo defense has had some suspect coverage lapses so and keen allen i mean if he plays he's in line for 15, 16 yeah. targets. Um, so definitely, if, if Keenan Allen is healthy and active, I would start Keenan Allen. If I can get off of Eckler, I'm getting off of Eckler. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay, Amon Ra versus Garrett Wilson. I'm taking Amon Ra. You know, I I feel like we talked about this a little bit with Amon Ra a couple weeks back where it's like people don't appreciate him because he's just not the most exciting player in the world, even though he has had more explosive plays this year than his first two years in the NFL. It's not like you're looking at a 27-year-old receiver versus a 23-year-old receiver. These guys are both young. They're about a year apart in age. And Amon Ross St. Brown was a wide receiver one last year. He's the wide receiver six this year. So I mean, this guy has had back-to-back years of awesome years. Now, Garrett Wilson, 1,100 yards last season. He will be around a thousand yards this season. Yeah, I mean, who knows? He could have three games where he has like 45 combined yards, or he could have 150 yards this week. But he still had a good season given what is around him. But at the same time, like I think Amon Ra St. Brown is kind of quarterback proof. He works that intermediate area better than anybody in the NFL, really, as a receiver right now. He's just gonna be a high volume guy. I understand the max high-end outcome for Garrett Wilson is probably higher than Amon Ross St. Brown, but, I mean, you look at his quarterback situation next year, it's Aaron Rodgers at 39 off of torn Achilles, or what is the other plan exactly? Like, the coaching staff is a mess. Are they going to be back? I don't know, but if they are, I'm also not feeling great. I would assume they probably are back because, like, they brought in Rodgers. Those are Rodgers' guys. And he's probably going to be the quarterback next year. Um, like, again, this is a guy I'm on Ross St. Brown. He and Jamar Chase have been in the NFL for a certain amount of time. He has 400 fewer receiving yards than Jamar Chase. Not to say he is on the same tier as Chase in Dynasty because he's not. Like, Chase is wide receiver two. I'm on Ross St. Brown, probably like four or five, but there's a gap there for sure. But he has been awesome and he is young. And he is the more consistent player. And even when you look at Garrett Wilson compared to like Chris Olave, that's kind of always been my thing with favoring Olave over Garrett Wilson, even going back to college. I think Olave is just more consistent on a play in play out basis. Whereas Garrett Wilson will have those flashes. But then like you see what Jalen Ramsey said after that game the other day against the Jets. I didn't. He, he held Garrett Wilson. It was like three for 29. And he basically was like, yeah, it was kind of a boring game. <laughs> like that that to me probably says that, yeah, obviously the the Jets are a mess, but also like Garrett Wilson probably wasn't busting his ass even on plays where he wasn't getting the ball either. Well, it is the same corner who called Tyreek Hill a punt returner. So Yes, that's true. I, I, I'm not I'm not taking what he says <laughs> as as gospel, but I just thought that was uh that that was a little bit notable to me. 
Uh, so I'm taking Garrett Wilson. Okay. Same, I agree with you in a lot of ways. Like it is incredibly close. Uh, just some things that stand out to me. Garrett Wilson's third in the league in separation on routes run. He has three yards of separation. If you've listened to any of Robert Sala or Nathaniel Hackett when they get asked about the offense, I try not all, to. Yeah. They, well, they always just say our, our receivers are open, and that they usually are. Uh, mostly Garrett Wilson. He is fifth, sixth in the NFL in average targets. He has 140. And in spite of that, he is the wide receiver, I think, 19, because this offense has been horrific. I really, he's one of those guys where once he hits, it's going to be like, we all thought this was going to happen eventually. And I think he has like full on wide receiver one in his outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, like, like the overall wide receiver one. I mean, I'm um, Ross, wide receiver six right now. So he I, probably, I mean too. like a, a breaking kind of like season, like an Antonio Brown S season where he, he goes off for like 17, 1800 yards. Mm -hmm. We're like, this guy's the guy. Uh, which is really the only thing because he has a high-end outcome. Uh, I, I don't have anything bad to say about Amar St. Brown. Like, there's nothing – I wouldn't fault somebody for doing a straight-up one-to-one on those two guys or even, like, Amron and a two for Garrett – or, sorry, Garrett and a two for Amron right now. But long-term, I would prefer to have Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I, I agree with you. This one's close as well. Whereas, like, I think the Tony Pollard-Josh Jacobs, that has to be Josh Jacobs – uh even though keep your chat doesn't have it that way uh this one like the first one it can be either way uh, i i am going to say uh jimbo in the chat i don't know about dalton i am going to uh abstain from giving start sit advice for our own league <laughs> because i just don't i don't want to open that kid of worms and also be yelled at uh if things go a certain way one way or another uh from from either side on that one yeah i'm cheering for the skunks this week jimbo <laughs> Well, that was your chance to uh, <laughs> to help take us. Them. Okay, next one up, and boy, these these next two to me, I do feel like are kind of toss ups. Uh, this one was the one I had the most trouble with: T. Higgins versus Michael Pittman. Dalton, who are you taking here? I love back trouble. to back on keep trade cut right now. I had a lot of trouble on this one too. Mm -hmm. uh, both are pending free agents. I think Pittman yep. probably lands back in Indy. Uh, I don't think the the economics work out of T Higgins ending up in Cincy without some uh, fun cap manipulation. Uh, I, I ended up taking Michael Pittman. I and, took T Higgins. Okay. And I didn't feel great either way. Mm -hmm. I ended up what took, what led me to Michael Pittman was I just took the guy who's like showed it to me for a couple of years and just T Higgins inconsistency since rookie season has been frustrating. I mean, he had like the was it the nine drop game this year? Um, I don't think I don't it was not. It was not nine. It was, drop. He was like two. Well, I'm sorry, his targets. He was like two for eleven or whatever. <laughs> it was like week one or two. It was a very frustrating game, um, and that part of that's what swayed my decision. And then I just end up going with the guy who does one thing really well, which Michael Pittman leads the NFL in first read target share. He leads the NFL on EPA on targets as the first read. And he's fourth in the NFL on RPOs in fantasy points. All of those are things that the Shane Steichen offense in Indy has kind of relied on. And if he returns to Indy, I think it's even better with Anthony Richardson. No offense to the gear Gardner Mitch is having. So part of it was I think he's going to be back in Indy. I like that. The other part of it was I, I just need to see like a complete season out of T. Higgins to get a, my full understanding of it. I don't think that the people knocking him for being second in the NFL and drop percentage is right. We've talked about it over and over again. 
drops don't correlate year to year unless you're Kadarius Tony. Yeah, um, and, and he has I, I said this this morning when, when you sent that stat. He has like a 3.4% drop rate for his career before yeah. this year. Um, so I'm not faulting him for those things. And the last thing is uh Michael Pittman is just a better separator. So I'm yes, just for sure I'm more confident he's like quote unquote QB proof if they both end up in different systems this year. Like if T Higgins ends up in Carolina, like they're probably going to be in the market for wide receiver. I would not feel incredibly confident in his first year in Carolina about how that would play out. I would feel a little more confident about Michael Pittman in Carolina, although that is like a, a death sentence for both of them. I, was like, I don't, I don't feel, I don't want any any of them to go to Carolina, yeah. please. But I think it's really close, and I think I'm glad that we finally had the Pittman breakout year because he's a yeah. guy that we've both been fans of and said is better than we thought. Uh, I was down on him his rookie year, but after that, I, I got on board. So, I I don't. I don't hate your call because obviously, like I said, I, I struggled with this. I actually going into it, thought I was going to say Pittman and ended up uh, swinging back to T Higgins. But I do want to just correct one thing here. So T Higgins actually has been the better performer until this year, the, the last couple of years than Michael Pittman. It was wide receiver 17 to 23 last year and then t i, I think points because i talked about this when he was a my guy earlier this year he was a wide receiver 12 each of the last two years in points per game and then last two years ago he was the wide receiver 22 oh pitman was 15 so they have flipped so it wasn't back to back so they've basically gone back they've alternated years who's been better and who's been and worse. to clarify when i say put it together uh Last year, Michael Pittman played with the carousel of quarterbacks, and T. Yeah. Higgins got a top five quarterback. But in 2021, okay, so this Pittman was 11.4 points per game. T. Higgins was 13. So T. just obviously missed time that year. Um, but but yeah, it, this is really hard because they're both free agents. They're both very good but not great wide receivers, and they're both have been in very different situations. Their first three years, yeah, three years of their careers, four. whereas four years, yeah, four years, sorry. Whereas Pittman has not had a good quarterback situation really ever. This year has been okay, and that is the apex of what he's seen. Uh, T. Higgins had one year without Burrow, and he he was he was good that year. So it's not like, yes, he's not QB proof, but also it's not like he's fallen off a cliff. Which I'm not saying that's what you said, but he's not fallen off a cliff when he's had you know worse quarterback play. Um, and the, or he had Burrow, but Burrow got hurt that year. Uh, so that's so he yeah, barely yeah. had Burrow. His, his he tore his Yeah. And then um, T. Higgins has been the 1B to Jamar Chase's 1A. And we know Jamar Chase is like, I know people like to say T. Higgins is as good. And I love T. Higgins, but he's not. He's not the same class as Jamar Chase. And Pittman has been the clear number one. So you look at things like just target share. And stuff like that. And Pittman's always had that edge, like a 30% to 20% type of edge over T. Higgins. But Pittman is more of a, like you mentioned, RPO, you know, an eight-ish type of A dot compared to T. Higgins, who's like a 12 to 13 type of A dot, which is how they end up with similar air yardage shares despite a volume difference. So they're different players, similar caliber, different situations. So you just kind of have to pick your preference. And I'm going to take yeah. the guy that I think just has higher upside on a week to week basis in T Higgins. And now this could change if T Higgins goes to Carolina and Michael Pittman goes back, but also T Higgins could go 
to New England with Drake May to Kansas City. You know, you, you know, there's a lot of moving parts with both of those guys. You know, I look at like yards per route run; they're they're very similar. Uh, this year, Tiggins is a little bit down, uh, 1.59. Pittman is at two, but in 2022, Tiggins was 2.09. So like they're just so close and players. And also the, the thing, the other thing is like, honestly, maybe my last tiebreaker here was age. Pittman is kind of sneakily a year, a little over a year older than T Higgins. So you have that going for you from the T Higgins side. And it's just like, I really wanted to have this conversation. Number one, to give Pittman his flowers. And number two, like, I think T Higgins is probably going to be one of the best by lows in dynasty this off season. As long as he doesn't have, like, he just had a great game but it could have been even better without a drop or two the other day, even um, as long as he doesn't have great games to finish out the season, which he may without chase, he's going to be a great buy low because it has been as bad as it could have been for a lot of reasons this year. He played poorly in stretches. Um, he's been injured in stretches. And also when he was healthy earlier in the season, that was largely when we were getting the Joe Burrow that, could, that could not move. And their offense was quick game to Jamar Chase, which is not T. Higgins' game. It's just not. He's, you know, over the middle, down the sideline, longer developing. And the Bengals just could not do that earlier this season. So there's just been a lot that has gone against T. Higgins this year. And I just want people to not be too down on him after what's happened this year. Yeah. Well, and again, um, I think another team that'll be in the running, and we'll talk about them next, is the Jaguars. They're going to be looking for a wide receiver one. And either of these guys there, I would probably say that's a huge increase in their value where they get to be the alphas in those offenses. Uh, I would, the one thing I would advise is if you're heading into or you already have your trade open in your dynasty league, is both these guys, I would not. Uh, trade for them until I see their landing spots. It's yeah. going to be, a, there's going to be a huge reshuffling on the wide receiver boards and this draft is incredibly and deep. And, and let the, the only caveat would be is if it becomes clear at a certain point that T Higgins is not going back to Cincy and you can get a panic sell. Yes. <laughs> T like Higgins. if someone's offering you a two because they love a guy in the draft near your rookie draft and T Higgins is still a, an unsigned free agent. I uh, absolutely, but I wouldn't go and sell two ones, which I think is what both these guys are worth for, yeah. for, um, them until we know where they land yep agreed agreed with you there all right you mentioned the jaguars let's get into it with uh trevor lawrence versus justin fields which uh you know i wish i could i could have found the tweet but they have shockingly close yardage totals and touchdown totals since they went to the nfl the narrative has been wildly different about one guy than the other uh that is obviously a variety of of reasons you can dig into that um some that we, we we may not just want to discuss on this podcast and then others like team success. Uh, and part of that being, you know, a lack of throwing ability for one, whereas the other has flashes of, of brilliance and flashes of not, uh, of not brilliance. But Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields, to me, I think this is a real toss-up, which is, I'm a little confused. I see Lawrence like top eight or nine and Fields, as low as QB 14 and like in the QB 11 to 14 range, I think these guys are like back to back and I would give the very slight edge to Trevor Lawrence, but I'm curious what your take is before we dive deeper into that. Obviously I've not been a huge fan of Justin Fields. I think he's been a, a big improvement this year in a lot of ways. Uh, some of his, and I know this is like a weak take, 
But some of his stats this year are so incredibly bloated by the Washington game where he threw 13 completions to one receiver and no completions to anybody else, which, <laughs> like, I, I'm just – that is very concerning that DJ Moore – it was DJ Moore who did everything that game. It was not Justin Fields. Um, and the other problem I, I have with Justin Fields' Twitter it, mostly, there were a <laughs> lot of, like, look at how – he didn't lose the game against the Browns last week. This was yeah. a wide open. They should it should have been caught. It was it a good pass. It, but if and there was watch, a, and there was another drop by Tunyon down the sidelines yes. too. That but was very very MVS esque. If you watch a full game of Justin Fields, it is absolutely it is not this like highlight real experience. He has very bad plays. He's a very up or down quarterback. Uh, I'm taking Trevor Lawrence here. Obviously, I I'm not going to like write. Justin Fields off, he'd probably be in my top 12 for uh, dynasties. Mm-hmm. I would put Trevor Lawrence close to like my top seven. Um, for one, the so in the NFL right now, throwing a wide receiver screen on first or second down correlates to a 31 is a negative EPA of 0.03, which is the same as having Zach Wilson drop back to pass for you on first and second down. The Jaguars are the team with the highest wide receiver screen total, so that's a discount. Among active quarterbacks right now, Trevor Lawrence is third in EPA lost on drop balls. Uh, Mahomes is famously first on this one. And there are some very obvious games early in the season, especially where drops cost Trevor Lawrence pretty badly. I do um, have outstanding questions about how, like what Trevor Lawrence's ceiling is. But in Dynasty, I feel more confident that he's going to continue to have a job, that his organization is going to build around him and try to make it better. And that this offseason will be another good one for them. They're probably going to draft a tackle. They're probably going to come in and bring an actual alpha because I don't think Calvin Ridley ended up being what we wanted him to be or what we thought he was going to be. No, although I sent this tweet to you and from Ian Hartitz, and it was – he was, I think, kind of joking but also being a little bit serious where it's like next year we're going to be like – well, look what the Jaguars are going to do now. They got these guys, and then it's going to be the same thing, and we're going to be like, yeah. oh. Because, like, I, I, I understand Ridley hasn't maybe had the season we hoped for, but I think Ridley's been pretty good. I would kill for Ridley on the Chiefs. Like, yes. kill, I would for, kill for, Ridley, for, for, for Ridley on the Chiefs. And Christian Kirk has been, like, Evan Ingram is really good. I, their biggest issue is offensive line. Yes. Um, uh, the last thing I'll say about it, and this relates to Ian Harden, it goes both ways, in my opinion. It's just there's like a lot of excuse making for Justin Fields' performances over three years. And I said this at the start of the season, like the rope has to stop eventually, and a quarterback has to eventually do something to prove that they're that guy. Trevor Lawrence survived the terrible Urban Meyer year, and it was a terrible year for him in fantasy. He came back and he posted a QB 11 performance. Justin Fields did have a, a very good year to end last season, um, but it's turning into like, well, they need to draft another tackle. They need to draft another option outside of DJ Moore. They fired their offensive coordinator, and it's like you have so many moving blocks in this Chicago offense, and you don't even know if he's going to be in Chicago starting next year that I am – reticent to want to invest in that type of player when I can get a player at the quarterback position who's going to continually be my guy. He's going to be in Jacksonville for five to eight. Well, and that, and that's what I was going to say. I think the, just looking at this, the most likely next move as it relates to Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville is an extension. The most likely next move as it relates to Justin Fields in Chicago is a trade. 
Would that actually be for the better? Maybe it would be. Maybe yeah, he goes through, to Atlanta and maybe, Jim Johnson maybe, becomes the head coach of Atlanta and yeah. I'm through the moon. Yeah, maybe he goes to Atlanta. Maybe he goes, I, I don't know, you know, Seattle. Like the, there are Minnesota. Other, Minnesota. There, there are teams where he, uh, in division probably not. Yeah, although, they're, they're, although TJ Hawkinson got traded in division. There. True, true. Um, but there are places he could go that would be more exciting than Chicago for sure. So this is not like, because he's not going to be in Chicago, I am more down on Justin. It's, it's not that, but you just, you feel more secure about Trevor Lawrence's future by and large in the NFL than you do Justin Fields. And it's not that Fields hasn't played good enough to be a starter. Like he's going to be a starting quarterback next season, unless the bears like do a thing where they, where they just don't trade him. And, and, but like, I can't, that would be unbelievable. The, the thing with Lawrence, I, I'm going to take Lawrence here still, obviously, but really the the main conversation point I wanted to kind of drive home is that he's just not – I think we can give up on him being that generational quarterback that we hoped for coming in. And, you know, after year one, it's like, yeah, Urban Meyer, that was so bad. Like, what can you even take from that? Really nothing. Let's hope that year two is better. And year two was better. It was pretty good. And we had big hopes. I had huge hopes. I said he was going to be in the Burrow Josh Allen tier of quarterback after this year. And I, I, I think, I think that notion is, is dead in my mind. Like, I don't think he's ever going to get there. I think he's going to be more in that tier of like a Matthew Stafford where it's like QB six to QB 10. Most years, he's going to have great games. He's going to have mind numbingly dumb games and make mind numbingly dumb decisions and drop the ball when he's running sometimes just out of nowhere. Like, it's going to be more of a roller coaster than we had thought, just based on the the prospect that we were hoping for coming out of college with Lawrence. And and one thing to kind of drive that home uh, with Lawrence this year versus the Blitz, he's at a fifty five percent completion rate, eight hundred twenty yards, four touchdowns, and four picks. Against non blitzes, he is a sixty nine percent completion percentage, twenty seven hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns six interceptions as per PFF. And that is just to say, this is a guy who has all the tools and just, he's not processing it like he should be. And he's in year three. Can that change? Maybe, but it seems unlikely that the switch is, it's just going to flip to get him to that elite level at this point. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. W- one thing that really helped me when I looked it up uh, Steven Ruiz for the Ringer does a QB rankings and he updates them weekly. The start of the year, he also does a lot of talking to head coaches and GMs about what quarterbacks they think are best in the NFL. And he had uh, Trevor Lawrence's fifth yeah. in the NFL right now, despite the poor play, despite the, the horrible pass decision. Well, it's like he, ma- he makes throws like the one he made uh, the other night against the Ravens, that out route that went about an inch over the fingertip of, I think it was Patrick Queen. Where it's like he like Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, those are the guys who are making that throw on a rope like that. But then he just does a lot of other things that make you scratch your head. Yeah. And with Justin Fields, uh, there's still the timing concern. He doesn't really get guys in stride on their routes, and a better offensive line would help with that. Um, what I thought was interesting about this debate is what if I just throw a wild card at you and ask you. What about Brock Purdy? I'm I'm still taking Lawrence over Purdy. The, my thing with Purdy is, is it's great now, but 
<laughs> I don't. I, I I wish I had this tweet in front of me. I don't even think I sent it to you. And I should have. I saw it this morning, where it's like George Kittle is ESPN's number one tight end and whatever metric they're using right now. Debo Samuel is the number one yak guy in the NFL, and then Brandon Ayuk is just the number one wide receiver in whatever stat that you. And so like when his contract gets to where that can't be his surrounding talent, what, what is he? And I know we've got some time before that, but like, I don't look very far ahead outside of like two, three years at the most in dynasty outside of quarterback. I, 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 I want to project a little bit more for quarterback because these are guys you can have on your team for a decade and be awesome. If you're right. Yeah. And I agree with that. I was just curious where you landed on that. And and that's really what skews that. I, I don't think it's close for me, I think I would take Lawrence in almost all situations just because I'm confident he's going to be there for a while. And not to say like this is the most probable outcome, but Justin Fields gets traded, goes to another team. They underutilize his skill set. He gets benched. He becomes this perennial like journeyman guy. He's never a consistent starter. You never trust him in his outings. Like that is a that is not a range of outcomes that even exists for Trevor Lawrence, but that exists for Justin Fields at this point. One one last interesting question uh, with this, and without even naming a quarterback who we have a preference of or anything like that, because, uh, you know, we keep it tight to the vest on the rookies until we have our rookie draft in our dynasty league um, for the upcoming rookies. If you have the option between draft, just taking your pick at a rookie quarterback or Trevor Lawrence, which would you prefer? I mean... I really like Drake Bay. Well, see, I, I gave you the chance not to go out and say which one you liked better. I really like Drake Bay. <laughs> I think he's he's kind of – he threw a touchdown pass with his left hand. Um, <laughs> and he's not left-handed. Uh, I would take either of the rookie quarterbacks this year, the top two, over Trevor Lawrence. And speculatively, a lot has to fall a certain way. Jaden Daniels does kind of excite me. Uh, he's another guy. I, I would not take him over Lawrence right now, but he's a guy who I could see a year or two from now. People being like, it, it kind of made sense. He he is the same archetype as Trey Lance, Anthony Richardson. Well, I saw so, someone called him the Anthony Richardson of this draft today, and I was like, hmm, I'm interested to see what people say about him. Who? Yeah, he's a very draft. explosive player, and if he, um, the ringer, uh, what's uh, the athletic? Uh, Robert Mays and Brugler talk uh, about prospect of pros and they think he can sneak into like the top eight of the NFL draft. Which yeah. I mean, he did very exciting. He, he's mocked inside the top 10 uh, by Brugler, I think right now. Yeah. Um, and if that happens, and if he ends up in like a good situation with a, a coach who's forward thinking, I could see talking myself into Jaden Daniels over Trevor Lawrence. I'll, I'll just say, I'll take my pick of the rookie quarterback uh, in, in the draft without uh, outing anything more than that at this current point in time. Speaking of our league, Dalton, real quick, before we get out of here, we can give a just quick picks of the semifinals. Uh, as you mentioned, the mighty Milne heads are sadly no more. Uh, it is troll moving on to play the machine. That is Ty Miller in the semifinals. Uh, who are you going with uh, between Ty and Noah in the semis? Uh, I don't mean to disparage anybody, but I think winner of this wins the league. Uh <laughs> well, we're definitely, you know, as I look at my projections and see myself projected for the highest amount of points in the league this week, that's always fun. Can't can't wait for my team just to ball the hell out in the fifth place game. 
Um, yeah. And then I look and see, you know, Noah, Cleo Tanks in the constellation. I see Brian in the constellation. And it's just like three of the top four or five, three of the top five teams are not currently still still in it right now. So I, I agree with you. And this is, you know, this is what happens in fantasy football all the time when you, when you don't have any other um, – when you don't do like a doubleheader, when it's just, you know, straight matchups. And then obviously in playoffs when it's win or go home, and, you know, that that's just what happens. And the bracket fell a certain way where Noah and I both played last week, and, you know, that's just what happens. But not this credit, those two, two guys on the other side, J-Law and Eli. Their teams have both uh, done quite well, especially lately for J-Law. Uh, but I am going to take Ty right here. Like, I know Trill just put up 130 on me last week, which is like what everyone's done for the last six weeks uh, for the most part. Um, but he had to have two guys score three touchdowns apiece to do it, whereas, like, if Ty scores 130, it just feels like, oh, like, Ty's team just had a pretty good day today. Like, Ty's team is just so loaded. Yeah, I mean, I, I have Ty as well. Uh, I think Dak bounces back against Miami. Yeah, and then like on his bench, he has Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, Keenan Allen, <laughs> uh, and the it's it's just very unfair how deep he is. He if Tyreek Hill is not a go, it doesn't even really affect him. Obviously, it hurts a little. I bit. mean, it affects him. He's like the MVP yeah. of the fantasy play of but, fantasy football. But yeah, yeah, I, I'm taking Ty, and then you have like he has Evan Ingram, and it looks like Zay Jones is out, so it's yeah. going to be the Evan Ingram Calvin Ridley show. It, I think it's just leading his way. Um, for a win this week. And then, like, Noah's quarterback situation is going to hurt him. He has Russell, Tommy DeVito, and Derek Carr. Like, there's no good options to start. And he's just – he needs another three-touchdown game. I also didn't see that he was flexing Sam Laporta and no, starting so, David so, Njoku. Well, the Joker's had two – probably two best games I, of his life. I don't disagree, but – Back-to-back. But, yeah. Uh, that, you have that, a guy that, flexing a tight end against a guy who has Keenan Allen – comfortably on his bench with DeAndre Swift and Aaron Jones. Yeah. Yeah. All right. On the other side, we have Elaw, Elaw, Eli and Jay Law. Um, that is a five point difference in the projection right now. Um, I'm going to go with the underdog here. I'm going with Jay Law in this matchup to make, to continue the emphatic, the, just the unbelievable run and make the finals. And I think my issue right now for Eli is that he has to start Kyler Murray this week because no CJ Stroud again, it's looking like. And I just don't feel good about that. I mean, maybe Jonathan Taylor doesn't play, but also like J-Lod scored, you know, scored over a hundred points last week without Jonathan Taylor. If he gets Taylor without Zach Moss, that's a big boost. He has your star of the week. He has my star of the week and James Cook and Devontae Smith. Like it's just lining up pretty well for him. Uh, this week, in in my opinion, I'm taking Eli. Okay, I don't have any reason why this is taking. <laughs> we just saw the Dallas offense get exposed by the run game, and if they just like let Mostert and he plays the full game and he has 30 touches for 200 yeah. yards, uh, that's how Eli wins. <laughs> that's a probable outcome. To be clear, that is not the only way Eli can win. They're, they're uh, Rashad White, against all of the disrespect on this podcast, continues to win. I, I will continue the disrespect. I don't <laughs> care. He is trash. Um, and then uh, Nick Mullen seems to lock in on Jordan Addison. So Jordan Addison's around. He's going to get favorable Man. coverages now that JJ's back. And I, Trey McBride 
I am nerve. I am nervous about Addison though. Like he had a good week last week, but he was fingertips away from, from a yes. very different week. Um, and then just uh, Trey McBride. Yeah, has been yeah, a, that's locked in. An incredible tight end this season. And how, how Eli wins is the Cardinals play well because if Murray yes. to McBride happens this week, it's going to be hard to overcome that. Yes. Um, and then. Uh, Thursday night sport starts. I think AK has a good game against the uh, Saints. No, against the Rams. And I believe in Eli. I think Eli will bring home a title for Slide of Kansas. Uh, a title? You're picking him over Ty preemptively? I'm or... picking him over anybody. <laughs> we ride with the skunks. A phrase never before said on this <laughs> podcast. That is going to do it for episode 130 of the half point per podcast give us a follow on twitter instagram and the tiktok half point per pod subscribe to the youtube uh half point per podcast we'll answer start set questions unless you're in our league asking about our league sorry jayla um link to all those things in the show notes as always the show is available anywhere you get podcasts spotify apple all of that good stuff leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, best of luck to everybody in their fantasy semifinals, and we'll talk to you again next week.